With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Hey. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in MD Nation to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and it's Friday, which means it's just me behind the mic for you guys today. And boy, do we have some great action in yesterday's game. Couldn't ask for a better game to kick off the NFL season. Tom Brady doing Tom Brady-like things coming back at the end to win the game on the last drive. How great was that? And of course, we got a lot of fantasy stuff to talk about as well guys today's show we're gonna be talking about of course the late slate of games we'll recap the thursday night game for you keep you up to date on the news and as always we got a mailbag segment at the end of the show i urge you to go back and check out yesterday's show because we talked about the early sunday slate of games along with the thursday night preview and go back and check out on your favorite pod streaming app we were available to you on itunes iheart stitcher spotify pretty much anywhere spreaker uh that you are go to for your pod streaming apps at any given moment or time. Of course, we'll be back later on today from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network airing live then. So on your drive back home, go ahead and tune in to unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Have us talk to you guys about your fantasy football lineups heading into the week. This is exciting. It's Friday. We got stuff to actually talk about, stuff that matters. 
when we talk about the late slated games, there's some injuries that we're going to have to co- cover in those games as well. We'll do that as we go through with what our top matchups are. And of course, like yesterday, we'll continue on with giving you my best bets for each and every game. Or if it's a game, you know what, frankly, I say you're going to have to stay away from, ultimately speaking. But we'll go through all of that as we go here. Let's jump into the news where let's cover the players that we talked about in yesterday's slate of games. Just get you up to date on all of that. Breaking news. Now, thankfully, because it's week one, we don't have as much injury news in this segment like we probably will, unfortunately speaking, as we go through. And of course, like I said, the injured players are on the game slates that we're going to be talking about today. Anyway, we'll go through that as we go. But for the games we talked about yesterday, for instance, like the Tennessee Titans matchup, A.J. Brown back at practice. Talked about this in yesterday's show. He is going to consistently be on this practice schedule where he's probably not going to practice on Wednesdays. He'll practice Thursdays and sometimes practice Fridays. Remember last year, now hopefully he's a little more healthy than he was then, but remember last year, he never practiced on a Wednesday. Sometimes he didn't even practice on Friday. He would only practice on Thursday in full, come in, suit up on Sunday, and perform like the superstar that he absolutely 100% is. I don't know if that changes too much this year. Maybe he practices Thursday and Friday if his knees are in better shape than what they were, which hopefully they are because sky's the limit for this guy. If you know he's actually 100% healthy, something we, frankly, I don't know if we've seen because his knees have cons- consistently been an issue. But he's going to be good to go for that. Can- Paris Campbell practiced in a limited capacity again. Uh, Carson Wentz was a full go at practice. All those guys expected to be ready to play. Even Quentin Nelson, that people had a lot of questions about, was able to practice in a limited capacity. So all of a sudden, the door for him to possibly play on Sunday just got opened up a little bit more. That's huge news for Jonathan Taylor. It's huge news for Carson Wentz. And all of these wide receivers, Michael Pittman being one of our top sleepers of the week, Paris Campbell, I think, is a good boomer bust threat, especially talking DFS, which, by the way, tomorrow night, 9.30 to 10.30, maybe 9 to 10. We might do it at a special time, being that's week one. We'll see exactly what happens. We'll keep you up to date as long as you follow us at BellyUpMDFFShow on social media. But we're going to go through our DFS DraftKings lineup cards along with our best bets of the week in tomorrow's show to help you guys win some money along with your road to a championship in redraft leagues. The biggest news out of the games that we talked about yesterday, player news injury-wise, unfortunately, Austin Eckler, that continues to progress. He did not practice again yesterday. Report was that he was on the sidelines. He was in helmet and pads, so that, or had a helmet and pads at least on the sideline. So that is somewhat the silver lining, I guess you could say, because that holds out hope that maybe if he can do something today in practice, he might be able to go on Sunday. That, of course, remains to be seen on the West Coast. It'll probably be later on in the day when we get you up to date. Make sure you have your notifications on at Belly Up MDFF Show. We'll keep you up to date on that. And if he doesn't go, of course, Justin Jackson right now, is the number two running back. And we would expect him to take on that Austin Eckler role. Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, very specific type of running backs. They might be in on goal lines, third and shorts, but these aren't pass catchers. And from what we've heard throughout all of the offseason and why Justin Jackson pretty much played his way into that second role is because of how good he looked and how much he can do some of the things that Austin Eckler can do within the role of that offense. So we would very much expect Justin Jackson to be a must-play in DFS because of how cheap he would be. But... To be a guy who's probably going to be an RB3, potentially even RB2, given the match against the Giants, if Austin Eckler cannot go on Sunday. 
today is going to be the big day. If he can't do anything today, I don't see how he winds up suiting up Sunday. It's week one. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. It's what cut his season almost in half a year ago. Something to keep in mind if you're an Austin Eckler owner, be prepared to not have him come Sunday if he's not able to suit up and do anything in practice today. James the Crowder just got ruled out moments ago, not to you know be surprised by that. Elijah Moore now gets more playing time. We'll probably see a mixture of Keelan Cole, Denzel Mims as that other wide receiver. But I'm excited for Elijah Moore. We didn't get to see him too much in preseason. He was lighting it up during training camp, and he got a little bit injured. They decided to keep him out of the preseason games. Before that, though, all you know, all bets were off as far as the chemistry that he had been building with Zach Wilson, what he could do. And while Corey Davis was gobbling up a lot of targets, a lot of that had to do with the fact that Elijah Moore wasn't on the field, and Keelan Cole is just the guy. We got to see exactly where Denzel Mims comes in and all this. He was somebody who seemed to be left out to the pasture. Then we heard, like, well, maybe it's because of a stomach bug. Maybe it was because he wasn't quite in shape because of that stomach bug. It took him a while to get going. Coaching staff saying that they are not, you know, they're they're not giving up on the guy, but they sure as heck aren't giving him much playing time either. I don't expect to see him out there that much this week, even without Jameson Crowder. So my eyes are going to be on Elijah Moore, who could be a huge upside play come this Sunday. We'll see how exactly how all of that plays out as well. Uh, coming up now. Sean McDermott, star Lou Louie, not that, you know, that's really fantasy relevant, but he's not going to play either. So keep that in mind for your matchups for Najee Harris is now all of a sudden that interior defensive line for Buffalo just got a little bit easier. But that's going to do it for the news for the games that we talked about yesterday. Again, go back. We talked about all the early Sunday slate games. Go back on your favorite posturing app, iTunes, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker. We're available to you pretty much everywhere. But now I want to dive into this game. I want to dive into this Thursday night recap. What a great game. What a great game it was. It was absolutely phenomenal. Now, there are some bad things, obviously, that we're going to talk about. And let's lead off the show with that. Because the first and foremost, I think the most advice, the best advice that I can give anybody right now is not to panic on Ezekiel Elliott. We knew going in this was a tough matchup. He was my RB9. He was outside my top five for a reason because he knew it was going to be a tough matchup. Now, of course, RB9 is going to wind up not even being low enough, obviously, after the game that he just had. But we talked about this actually on yesterday's show because I knew this was a possibility. MD Nation, if you have Ezekiel Elliott, don't panic. Don't look at this as an opportunity to sell low. First of all, obviously, when you sell low, you get pennies on the dollar. You never want to do that. Here's what I took out of Ezekiel Elliott yesterday. While the production wasn't there, physically, he looks great. We were talking about it all offseason. Talking about hard knocks. How he's in the best shape of his career. It showed. He looked explosive. And I know everybody's going to say, well, well, he only had one run for 13 yards. How did he look explosive? He's flying the ball. He's making his cuts. He put on some great blocks. He's going to be fine. This was a tough match against Tampa Bay when, remember, Zach Martin for the Dallas Cowboys, he's out. So now, all of a sudden, the interior offensive line is suspect to the best run defense in the NFL a season ago. And after what I witnessed last night, I don't see any reason to think that they won't be the best run defense again. Some people say, well, Tony Pollard looked like the more explosive player, especially catching the ball. Well, he got thrown into more of those situations. But before we start going crazy about the Tony Pollard-Ezekiel Elliott split, keep in mind here. Elliott played 70 snaps. 
compared to Tony Pollard's 20. Tony Pollard's not there to take the job away. He's going to get sprinkled in. That's fine. Elliott's still the workhorse. And in games in which Dallas doesn't have to throw the ball 58 times like they did last night, Ezekiel Elliott's going to get his opportunity to dominate, especially against that NFC East. Don't panic. Now, on the flip side of that, if you're in a league, and this is the scenario I gave Chris yesterday, if you're in a league and you knew that the owner of Ezekiel Elliott drafted him in the first round begrudgingly because he didn't necessarily want to, but felt like because it was later on the first round, couldn't not draft him there given the value, but maybe he wasn't too thrilled. This could be an opportunity. Take a shot. Ezekiel Elliott officially the first buy low candidate on my book. Not panicking. Go get him. If you know the guy doesn't like him too much and took him in your league, give him an offer. Because his value is never going to be lower than what it is right now. Everybody watched that game. Everybody watched week one. It's on national television. It kicks off the season. Everyone's excited about it. So people are going to tend to react more severely one way or another after a game like that. So take a shot. See what you got. But if you have them and you're a part of MD Nation, don't panic. Don't panic. Better days are ahead. I'm actually very excited for him despite the week one you know, disappointing performance. Another disappointing performance, of course, was Mike Evans on the other side of the ball. This is going to happen, unfortunately, I believe, from time to time. This happened from time to time a season ago. Mike Evans, three catches, 24 yards, and six targets compared to Chris Godwin, who led the way with 14 targets, nine touchdowns, or nine, nine receptions, 105 yards and a touchdown. And Antonio Brown, who had seven targets, only one more target than Mike Evans, but was much more efficient, much more effective in where they were targeting the ball. Five catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. We'll get the Gronk in a minute because that's going to be on a different sentiment. This is going to happen from time to time. When you play against defenses that have, you know, a weak secondary after their first corner, like the Dallas Cowboys do. Brady's not going to feel the need to push the ball to any one particular player on this team. He's got one-on-one-on-one matchups throughout the board because he can't double anybody. It was clear the game plan for Tampa Bay going in, and it was an effective one, carve up the middle of that Cowboy defense, attack them with the passing game in the intermediate and deep part of the field over the middle. That's always going to favor Brown and Godwin and Gronk over Mike Evans. But there's going to be plenty of matchups where Mike Evans is going to get his chance to dominate because he is a dominant receiver. Mike Evans is still going to be, by the end of the year, I believe, his Tom Brady's top red zone target. It's not going to change. He talked about Mike Evans all offseason. He's not suddenly going to be left to the wind. So again, it's another situation. Don't panic. Don't panic after week one. I know it's disappointing because the Dallas Cowboys, it's a great matchup. You expect to get better production than three catches for 24 yards. I get it. I have Mike Evans in a few of my leagues. I wasn't panicked from that game at all. Now, what it does tell you is that there's certain games, somebody's going to get left out. There's going to be games where Antonio Brown gets left out. There's going to be games where Chris Goblin gets left out. There's going to be games where Rob Gronkowski gets left out. Somebody will get left out from time to time. It's going to happen. But you have to consistently play these guys. Remember last year, and this is what I want to go back to and make sure everybody remembers and nobody panics here. Remember last year, Mike Evans still was a top 10 wide receiver from weeks 9 through 17 when Antonio Brown was on the field. 
So when everybody was on the field, Mike Evans was still able to put together wide receiver one like numbers, even with all those weapons. It illustrates that better days are 100% ahead. Now, before I talk about the great performances, the first great performance I really want to talk about is Rob Gronkowski. Because it answers a question that we had that we weren't 100% sure about. I wasn't huge on Gronk coming into this. OJ Howard's back. Now, we do know that there was some talk, was OJ Howard going to want up the pup? He avoided that. But he's maybe not quite in football shape, maybe not quite 100% healthy. But he still have Cameron Bray. How involved were these guys going to be? What was the rotation going to be like? It was a valid question that we had. Apparently, I was too low on Rob Gukowski, at least to start the season anyway. He had the great game, of course. Eight catches, 90 yards, two touchdowns. Looks, to me, more spry than he did a season ago. More prepared for the NFL season. Body, you know, was off from football for a year. He looks more, just, he looks more like Gronk, plain and simple. But his production was not my biggest takeaway from last night's game. My biggest takeaway from last night's game was the snap count. 57 compared to 19 for Cameron Brait, 6 for O.J. Howard. And even some of those snaps, Gronk was still on the field the same time as those guys because they went 12 personnel a few times throughout the year or throughout the game in last night. That's the biggest takeaway I had. Now, do I think that this means Gronk is definitely going to be a top eight tight end the rest of the year? Maybe. It's, maybe. it's a possibility. It's a possibility given the snap count. If he's going to play like that to that level and he's able to do that and they feel comfortable with that, he's going to be in play for that. But at the very least, we're talking top 12. At the very least, we're talking a top streamer. And really, after last night, Grog Mikowski was drafted in most leagues. I don't see him getting dropped anytime soon after that performance. But I go back to Somebody's going to get left out on a week-to-week basis because there's just so many weapons to go to. And Brady's going to do his best to spread the ball out. He tried to last night and did for the most part. But somebody has to get left out. There's going to be games where it's Gronk. So he's not going to be a top five tight end to me. He doesn't go into that Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey territory. But is he going to be one of those tight ends that has more value than most that's in that top 12 and you're going to want to play more weeks than not? Yeah, absolutely. Because this snap count confirms that he is the bona fide starting tight end on this team. And physically, I was impressed with how he looked. So this was big for me for Rob Gronkowski moving forward. Out of all the players, out of all the players from last night's game, Gronk needle is the one that moved for me. Nobody else's needle, bad or good. No one else's needle really moved for me in any direction except for Gronk because there was questions that we had about his usage that just got confirmed last night. And I do believe you could take that with you moving forward. Now, of course, in other news, we'll talk about the wide receivers, Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin lit it up. Again, like I said, Godwin, 14 targets, Antonio Brown, seven, five catches, 121 yards, touchdown, Antonio Brown, nine catches, 105 yards, touchdown, Chris Godwin. Everyone looked great. And again, it was the game plan the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had. These are performances that, yes, no receiver outside of a Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, or Tyree Kill, I think you can expect 100 yards and a touchdown, you know, on a consistent basis. But these guys have to be in your lineup every single week. And we'll, while we probably know that already about Chris Godwin, 
Antonio Brown was the guy that was being left out. Now, we were big on him on this show. I had him ranked at 23 all offseason long, while the ADP and the ECR had him closer to the low 30s, high 40s. That's why Antonio Brown was our biggest sleeper, one of our biggest sleepers on the wide receiver when we did that episode earlier in August. He looked great physically. Bruce Arians was not lying when he said Antonio Brown looked explosive. Looked like how he used to be. And now you put him in a situation where he gets to operate one-on-one. He's going to have the opportunity to have games like this. I think he's always going to have a safe floor, too, because he gets seven targets last night. I think five to seven targets, it's always going to be in his wheelhouse with Brady throwing him the ball. And we talked about before how Brady has a personal investment in seeing Antonio Brown succeed. Because clearly how close they've become ever since the New England days. You invite him to live at his house. Brady's been a big reason why Brown has been able to get his NFL career back on track. There's a personal investment there. And that's going to continue. These guys all have to just, you know, these guys all have to play. But I love what I saw out of him, especially since we were so bullish on Antonio Brown in the offseason. The other storyline we got to talk about, and we'll get to the Dallas receivers in a minute, is the running backs for Tampa Bay. Now, Leonard Fournette dominated the snaps. However, if you didn't see the game, Ronald Jones fumbled the ball. And as soon as he did that, and it was just funny because Chris and I talked about that in yesterday's show for the preview. As soon as he did that, he was done. He was yanked. He was put in the doghouse for the rest of the game. We saw this happen last year. Ronald Jones would miss a block, drop a ball, fumble, be thrown into the doghouse, and then Leonard Fournette would take over for the rest of the game. Now, in this particular game, while there was multiple reports some saying Fournette was going to start. Some saying Ronald Jones is going to start. Fournette was the one who actually got to start here. Physically, I thought Leonard Fournette looked good. Neither team put an emphasis on trying to run the ball in this game. That wasn't the, that wasn't the game plan for either one of these teams. So I don't take away the production as a a concern or and I, I you know moving the needle for me moving forward. Like oh, wasn't that good? Not expecting much production. I still don't want to touch the Tampa Bay backfield because it's still going to be a three-man carousel. Don't look at last night and say, oh, I got to drop Ronald Jones now. Because if last year taught us anything, Ronald Jones is just as likely to come out and be the lead snap ball carrier next week. When he gets thrown in the doghouse, he gets thrown in the doghouse for the game, but they don't, they don't carry that on until the following week. This didn't suddenly become Leonard Fournette's job the rest of the year and his job alone with Junior Vine Bernard getting sprinkled in on third downs or passing situations. That's not what happened. But there should be some positive vibes for Leonard Fournette because he did perform well. They did what he needed them to do. Here's the other takeaway that might be more important than anything because we talked about this all year. Junior Vine Bernard becoming the James White of this team. That didn't necessarily happen last night. Leonard Fournette had seven targets. Gene Van Menard had three. Now, here's what was interesting about the game flow. Tampa Bay was not in a lot of third down situations. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. Because, you know, you're bringing Bernard on those obvious passing down plays. They weren't in those situations. But 
what I will say is why I don't think Bernard has that James White role solely to himself, at least not as of yet. Because towards the end of the second half, or towards the end of the first half, Leonard Fournette was still out there. They were in two-minute drill, and it wasn't necessarily the GMI Bernard show. So that's where I thought it was a little more interesting. And Fournette caught the ball well. He had one drop that did lead to an interception that was bad, but he also made a catch that saved Brady from throwing an interception later on in the game. So he got a chance to redeem himself. Again, seven targets, five catches, 27 yards for Leonard Fournette yesterday. Now, the rushing line was nothing to be impressed by. Nine carries, 32 yards, 3.6 yards a carry. Ronald Jones, the six snaps that he played, he got four carries on those six snaps, but he wasn't much more efficient. Three and a half yards a carry. That goes to what I talked about when I when I was previewing Dallas and saying, because of the upgrades they made at linebacker, especially with Mika Parsons and pairing up with Vander Esch, and that defensive front, this defense should actually be pretty good against the run. Now, wasn't there, while there wasn't a heavy game plan to get the running game going out of Tampa Bay yesterday, that still, doesn't, that still doesn't concern me as far as this being a fluke for Dallas being a good run defense. I think they are going to be a good run defense. But as you also saw, you can throw the ball all over them, especially if you have good weapons. So moving forward, Tampa Bay backfield, bottom line is this. I still don't really want to play anybody in this backfield. There still needs to be more clarity to be had. You feel better about Leonard Fournette if he's the one you took out of the three moving forward. But we know it's just as likely Ronald Jones might be the lead snapper, lead ball carrier next week. So there's nothing that came out of this, even though he got put in the doghouse, that you can really take away with any kind of confidence. This thing still has to play out. And ultimately, other than being flex or buy fill-ins, I don't know how much upside anybody in this backfield has unless there's an injury that occurs at some point this year. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. So then we move to the Dallas side of the ball. Lead off with this, Michael Gallup, ankle injury. We are waiting for clarity. We're supposed to get clarity today at some point on that injury as far as longevity goes. It was later on in the game when he got knocked out with the left ankle. He didn't come back in. He was questionable return. He was showing off to the sideline. He was still in his pads. He didn't completely dress. He didn't have to go back to the locker room. So I don't think it's going to be a long-term injury. But we'll have to see if it means he's missing a week or two. Is it a sprain? Is it a low ankle sprain? Is it a high ankle sprain? All that should be determined later on today. So make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. We'll keep you up to date on that as we move along. He was getting involved before he got hurt. He was. Cowboys, kind of similar to the Bucks, 
where all three receivers were very much a factor. I mean, he had seven targets. There's nothing to sneeze at in fantasy football. Four catches and 36 yards. But of course, the show, the show was Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb. Amari Cooper in a big way. 13 catches, 139 yards, and two touchdowns off of 16 targets. C.D. Lamb, target-wise, was right behind him. 15 targets. It was really a tale of two halves. C.D. Lamb dominated the first half, and then the second half, it went. It was the Amari Cooper show. But this debate all offseason, who is it going to be? Is it Amari Cooper? Is it C.D. Lamb? It's going to be both. And you know what? They were ranked back-to-back in a lot of different expert consensus rankings, mine included. And I think this game just confirmed why they were ranked back-to-back. I do believe this is a 1A, 1B situation, not a wide receiver one, wide receiver two. And in this particular game, Amari Cooper was just highly efficient with his targets because 13 catches and 16 targets and just got the extra touchdown. But CD Lamb looked great too. Now he had a bad drop that led to a Dak Prescott interception. He struggled with drops a year ago. That's something we want to see him clean up. But this is by no means this is a Deontay Johnson situation. We don't have to worry about CD Lamb getting benched. They both look good. And what's even more promising than that for everybody on Dallas was Dak Prescott was phenomenal. And I, I know that because of the way that game ended, Brady coming back at the end to win the game for the game-winning field goal, I know what the storyline is about Tom Brady and all the focus is on them. But Dak Prescott, 42 completions to 58 attempts, 403 yards, three touchdowns, an interception against a very good defense, came in, and did what he needed to do to squash all concerns about what shape are you in, how sharp are you going to be after missing not only all of last year, but a lot of this training camp because he was dealing with the shoulder injury on top of trying to come back from the ankle. Now, he didn't look particularly explosive, but probably the more important thing right now is that he didn't lose his confidence. He was still confident in being able to run. There was a couple times where he took off. He was able to avoid sacks, Pretty frequently. Got in and out of a couple situations where he thought he was definitely going out. Down. They did one read option in the red zone area. It looked like it was open for a second, but quickly closed down. A lot of speed there for San Bay Buccaneers linebackers. But I liked that he was willing to run. And he looked as sharp as ever throwing the football. I mean, he made some great passes. And with those weapons that he has, sky's the limit. Dak Prescott on his way to being what he was a season ago, along with all the other weapons to what they were going to be with Dak. So if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, if you have Dak Prescott in your fantasy teams or CeeDee Lamb or Murray Cooper or even Michael Gallup, who I think is going to be a really nice wide receiver three to have in your rosters, you're super excited moving forward. And you're super excited if you're an Ezekiel Elliott owner too. Remember, don't panic. So what we're going to do is take a quick break. I want to get a word in from our sponsor. When we come back on the other side, we're going to start to preview the late matchups of Sunday afternoon. And then we'll get to the Sunday night game, the Monday night game, and of course, the mailbag segment for you guys at the end of the show. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we will be back right after this. Do you like easy money? Of course you do. Now, thanks to my bookie and their lock of the season, if either team scores in the NFL season opener, you win. A game hasn't ended in 0-0 since World War II, so this is as sure of a bet as it gets. Head to mybookie.ag, select the lock of the season, and if any team scores between the Dallas Cowboys or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you win. 
The best bet is one that you can't lose. My bookie is also playing host to several exclusive contests, including their $100,000 super contest, and it only costs $10 to enter. There's big money on the line this season, so don't wait to get in the game. Join now. Head to mybookie.ag today and use promo code MDFANTASY to receive double your first deposit and get started with my bookie today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And we're back on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just talked about the Thursday night recap. Now we're getting into the late preview games for week one. Before we do that, though, there's a little bit of breaking news that just came out that I just want to address really quickly. Breaking news. Dan Campbell. Apparently, there is some rumors going around about DeAndre Swift and a possible investigation with police. Dan Campbell came out and dismissed it right away. He said it's nothing but internet rumors, social media rumors. Something about getting investigated by the Philadelphia police in a alleged homicide. So this is, isn't something that we can ignore. It's not something that we can ignore. According to Dan Campbell, when asked if DeAndre Swift was in uh, under investigation, he said not to his knowledge. That's all we know right now. So this is potentially an explosive situation if these rumors have any merit to them whatsoever. Obviously, alleged homicide, this is a big this is a big deal. If you're DeAndre Swift owner, chances are Jamal Williams is owned. But just be mindful. We'll monitor this. Hopefully, hopefully Dan Campbell is right, and hopefully this is nothing more than internet rumors. But Something we're going to have to keep our eyes on moving forward as we get more clarity into this situation. More breaking news. Trey Lance is going to be active on Sunday. His finger, I guess, healed up a little bit quicker than they thought he was going to be. And Saquon Barkley is practicing. As long as he gets through today's practice, he'll be good to go for Sunday. So all that news coming out now. We'll always keep you up to date when you follow us along on social media at Show. And of course, we're streaming to you live there and on YouTube. Subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football channel. Always bring you the best fantasy content that we possibly have to give you guys the edge in your fantasy leagues. Okay, so let's move back on here. Let's move back to our first game of the late Sunday games to go ahead and preview. And it's going to be one of the games of the week. And that's the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, you're playing your studs in this game. And when I say studs, I mean guys like Dick Chubb, Clyde Edwards-Lair, in particular, come to mind here. Nick Chubb coming in as our RB15 on the week. And the only reason why he's not in our top 12 is because this is a situation where you could see Kansas City coming in and putting up a bunch of points early because they're just that good with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill. And even though Cleveland's defense should be really good on paper, they should have a pass rush, they should have a secondary. We've seen Kansas City's offense tear good defenses apart time after time after time. I think the game plan for the Cleveland Browns will be to give the ball to Nick Chubb early and often, try to keep 
you know, Mahomes off the field as much as humanly possible. But we all know that game plan usually only works for about mm, a quarter and a half. So the limitations is that. Because this, this is where we run into the issue with the Nick Chubb and the Kareem Hunt. Where when Cleveland goes to throw the ball, they look to get more aggressive, two-minute drills, hurry up, third downs. Kareem Hunt's still that guy. I don't expect their roles to change when it comes to who's the runner and who's the pass catcher. So this could be more of a Kareem Hunt game. And as a result, you see I have Kareem Hunt here up in the graphic at RB22 if you're watching the stream live. Kareem Hunt is very much in a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 play this week. There's, there's no doubt about it. He's very much in that range. Because again, this is a game in which Cleveland is going to have to score with Kansas City. In order to beat Kansas City, you have to outscore Kansas City. If they outscore Kansas City, you're going to have to be able to throw the football. Kareem Hunt is going to be probably significantly involved in this game due to that role. And especially talking half-point PPR leagues or PPR leagues in general, that means he should be a high-end RB3, if not a low-end RB2 this week. Now, Nick Chubb is still a must-play. But instead of having that RB1 landscape, even though I'm not worried about Kansas City as far as being able to run the football on them, I just worry about his workload getting limited due to game flow. But that's the only thing that could stop him. Nick Chubb is a stud. You can run on Kansas City, of course. It's a great offensive line of Cleveland. If their game plan works early, maybe the game flow doesn't get away from them. But that's the only concern you have to have. Obviously, you play him, you're good to go. On the flip side, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you're playing him too. Now, this is a little bit of a tougher matchup for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This Cleveland defense is going to be pretty good against the run if that defensive front is anything remotely close to what it should be on paper. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire is somebody I have actually just outside the top 12 here. Actually, I have him at 12 on the dot. Excuse me. I'm trying to find him on the graphic there. You got him at 12 on the dot. We have to see now. Are we going to get the confirmation that we're looking for as far as Clyde Edwards-Alaire and what he's going to be able to be this season? Is Patrick Mahomes actually going to check down the football on a, at least a more consistent basis anyway, utilizing what, frankly, Edwards-Alaire does best, which is catching the ball out of the backfield? Is Andy Reid going to call more screens? This is a game to find out because with that Cleveland pass rush, one of the key game scripts that should be in play here is screens. Is getting out in front of that, slowing that pass rush down. So we're going to see, are they going to hold true to their word? Because they said in the offseason, they're going to make a more concerted effort to get Edwards Lair the ball more in space on passing downs. We'll see if that remains true in this one because it's the perfect defense where if that is going to be true, you're going to see that come to fruition on Sunday. So we're, I think we're going to get some clarification as far as the answer to that question, which dictates what his ceiling is going to be. But Clyde was my number 12 running back. The other question is going to be Darrell Williams. When they get in the red zone, are they going to keep allowing to give Edwards Lair opportunities, even though he was very inefficient last year, but are you going to have faith that your offensive line is so much better that you can still give him the opportunities at the red zone? Or are you going to give it to Rell Williams instead? Is it going to be his role? Because he's a bigger back, more powerful. I think if you've been listening to this show with any length of time, you know my feelings on the matter. I think they need to give the ball to Darrell Williams. 
Because even behind a better offensive line, Clyde Ziller just does not run with enough power in the red zone to ever be efficient at it. Not saying he'll never get in the end zone, but he'll never be efficient at that aspect of the game. I just don't believe he will. But this is a good test for that player, for Clyde edwards alaire on those two questions. And I think we're going to find out a lot of clarity on Sunday one way or another. Now, regardless of all of this, because of the offense, because of the role that he has, he'll continue to be an RB2 and a high in RB2 at that throughout the entire year. The question is, can you be an RB1? That's what we're looking for on Sunday. I have him as RB12 this week. The wide receivers are another question, especially on Cleveland's side. All the reports, OBJ, OBJ looks good, right? OBJ's healthy. This is a better offense now. Baker Mayfield seems to have a better grasp on Kevin Stefanski's system now that he, they went to the playoffs last year, made it all the way to the conference championship. Now, of course, a lot of that success was without OBJ. I still don't believe, I don't subscribe to this idea that somehow the offense of Cleveland is better without him. You're never better without good players. But maybe Baker was able to learn something. Maybe he was able to learn that you can't force it to any one particular player, especially in this system. The system is built to spread the ball around. It's built to get certain guys different matchups on certain plays. You can't force feed it to one particular guy. And that lesson, if he takes it with him into the season, even with OBJ on the field, may prove to be more efficient and may be proved to be exactly what we need for OBJ to get back to his former glory. As you see there up on the graphic, I have him at wide receiver 26 coming into this week. We also have taken into consideration that Kansas City is not an easy team for wide receiver matchups. Steve Spagnuolo does a very good job taking away outside wide receivers. Now, if you're a good slot receiver, you might be able to take advantage. And also, I think Jarvis Landry might be of interest. Never really has a huge ceiling, but I think he'll have a safe floor in this game, especially in full point PPR leagues. And I have him just inside the top 48 this week. But this isn't the easiest matchup in the world for the Cleveland wide receivers. So we have a lot. We got to see exactly how this is going to shake out with OBJ back at Baker Mayfield. And there's a lot of questions and that I think will get clarity too, because again, the matchup is not an easy one. If you can move the ball consistently and get OBJ involved consistently in this game against Kansas city, you're going to have a lot more confidence about playing him moving forward because to this point, I think everybody can agree, OBJ is really looked at as a wide receiver three who's a wild card. Potentially high ceiling, and we've all been burned by OBJ at some point at, over the last couple of years now anyway. But I think you could play him as a wide receiver three. You could play him as a flex. Jarvis Landry doesn't have the ceiling that I'm necessarily looking for. I think you can find better options than a Jarvis Landry hopefully this week. And really, his value just gets capped with OBJ being out there on the field because Landry, to me, is somebody who has to get eight-plus targets a game to have that fantasy floor. It's still not exciting, but fantasy relevancy to have him actually plug and play in your lineup on a consistent basis. So I think you have better options than Landry, but I do. I am intrigued by playing OBJ as my wide receiver three as my flex this week against Kansas City. And keep in mind what I just said about Nick Chubb, the one thing limiting him is game flow. I think Cleveland's going to have to throw the ball more than they would typically want to because you're playing against Kansas City. So the extra volume should be there. We're going to find out real fast, real, real soon with Baker Mayfield and OBJ and Jarvis Landry. But that's where I'm at with them. Baker, I'm not playing. 
I, from a fantasy standpoint, for me, I don't think Baker Mayfield's anything more ever in any given week than a mid-level QB two. So we're not playing him. And we don't have to talk about Patrick Mahomes, obviously. He's the top quarterback. He's my number four on the week. And will always be, at least the very least, inside of the top five as long as he's healthy. Baker Mayfield, I have all the way down at QB 17. So nothing to really talk about there. On the flip side, Kansas City, they get really simple. Talk about Edwards Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, obviously, playing him. I don't care about Denzel Ward or the matchups. It doesn't matter. They move Tyreek Hill around. Andy Reid does a phenomenal job of constantly getting Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill matchups. Even when the other teams have top corners, top safeties, top linebackers, doesn't matter. He does a great job moving them all around because Hill will play anywhere on the field. Can't shadow the guy. Can't shadow the guy when he's going in motion and playing up in the slot. Can't shadow the guy when they go trips and he's playing behind two receivers. He does everything in the world to get Tyreek Hill featured. And Hill, for that one, you know, that one drive in the preseason game, boy, does he look ready to go. Boy, does he look as fast as ever. Travis Kelsey's as safe as ever. Hill's my number two receiver. Of course, Travis Kelsey, I don't even have to throw up the graphics, my number one tight end of the week. So the only other question with Kansas City, for fantasy purposes, is there value to be had elsewhere? Miko Harmon, Demarcus Robinson, to a lesser degree, Byron Pringle. That's been the question all offseason. I haven't been too big on Miko Harmon because I've said this before. Every time the opportunity has presented itself for him to take over that second wide receiver job, because Sammy Watkins has been injured a plenty over the past couple of years since Miko Harmon's been drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. Snap-wise, Demarcus Robinson usually dominates the snaps. He's a better blocker. He has a more complete route tree. Now, Miko Harmon's passing numbers look a little more gaudy than Marcus Robinson. That goes to his speed in this Kansas City offense. And when you're so busy trying to cover Tyreek Hill and take away Travis Kelsey, he's going to get some one-on-ones against inferior corners that he's just going to be able to burn by. That's going to happen. On the depth chart, as it stands right now, he is the starting second wide receiver. So we're going to find out in this game, what's your volume like? What's your snap count? The snap count is going to be the most important thing I'm looking at. If it's the same or more than Demarcus Robinson or Brian Pringer or whoever else they decide to rotate out there, then I'll have a little bit more confidence that there will actually be a certain floor that he'll have to his game in this offense moving forward. The snap count is going to be what I'm most interested in. Not the production, the snap count. How often are you actually on the field? Do they trust you to be out in the field in different situations? Your playing time matters more to me. Because with, with a guy like Michael Hartman when, in this type of offense, Look, any any given play, he could take it to the house and have you know seventy five yards and a touchdown on one given play, given his speed ability. That's not where the fantasy relevancy comes from for me, because and for Miko Hartman to have fantasy relevancy, he has to be consistently getting thrown the football, consistently playing. So that's another thing we're going to be watching on Sunday. What is your snap count for now? I'm not playing him unless it's in a DFS situation, because he's always. It's always a flyer in DFS because he's always going to be cheap. And he's always going to have that home run threat ability. It's kind of what you look for in that situation. But do you have more value than that? That's what we're going to look for on Sunday. All right, let's move on to our next matchup. Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. Big, big game here. Tua Tagovailoa, 
playing against Mac Jones. Two Alabama quarterbacks. Can Tua, all the questions that he's facing right now, can he take the next step up? We'll have to, we'll have to see. Not going to have Will Fuller for this game, suspended for this week. But he does have Jalen Waddle. He does have Devontae Parker. does have Mike Gusecki. And Miles Gaskin is a good pass-catching back out of the backfield. So there's still weapons to be had here. Still more than what he had last year when he took over. Because remember, I mean, other than Gusecki, Parker was banged up. They had nobody else. Preston Williams went down. Jakeem Grant was his, like, number one receiver. Lim Bowden was a number one receiver for him at different points of the year when he started last year. Coming off of a, what could have been a career-ending hip injury. Which doesn't get talked about enough with Tua Tagovailoa. A lot of haters out there not seeing the full picture. I'm a big believer. There's something going for him too this week. No Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore's out for the first six weeks. So you now you take away the top corner of the New England Patriots. This defense isn't as scary as what they were. Now, I'm not playing Tua, nor am I playing Mac Jones this week. There, you should certainly have better options as we're going into week one here from your drafts. But Tua is a sleeper for me. If he's on your waiver wire, he's on my watch list. Because when you have, once you get past this week and you have Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker, there ain't too many other teams out there who have a better wide receiving core. They have the game plan to be down the field, to be more aggressive this year. You have some home run hitters. Tua definitely has some upside. And don't forget, the guy is mobile. He does use his legs, and he may be more comfortable to do so now that he's a year removed from that injury. So this, this is a game where, fantasy-wise, I don't know if there's a ton of fantasy value here for any one given direction. But a lot of questions that we're going to look to be answered. Now, the guys who do have fantasy relevancy, like a Miles Gaskin does, he comes in, he's a top 36 running back for me, who comes in RB32. I know they rotated. Now, lately, there's been some reports that, you know what, Miles Gaskin is our guy. And that's probably given, you know, Malcolm Brown is a dud. Oh, my goodness. I cannot stand this guy. I cannot. I don't understand why he keeps getting jobs. I don't understand why he keeps getting put in relevant situations to take away fantasy value from others. I don't get it in any, any capacity, MD Nation. I don't. But Miles Gaskin is a superior player in that backfield, especially catching the football. If the team's going to be more aggressive. It's going to be more built around Tua Tagovailoa. I do believe ultimately Miles Gaskin will be the ball carrier out there more of the time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. I like Savant Ahmed. I like the way he runs. He runs with power. He sees the hole. He hits the hole. I think that will always make you an efficient runner in the NFL. 
And he may be the goal line guy, or maybe Malcolm Brown. I don't think it's going to be Miles Gaskin out there. That much I can tell you for that. I don't think he's going to be in a lot of red zone opportunities, goal to go. But he's always going to have that safe floor. The one hold back, of course, is Miami Dolphins offensive line. It's nothing to ride hold him about. But comes in as my RB3, comes in as an RB32 for me this week. I do have him in the flex. Patriots are going to bring some pressure to it. We know it's going to happen, especially we know Stephon Gilmore. What they're going to do is that instead of dropping back in coverage, they're just going to go after the guy. I almost guarantee that's what's going to happen. Miles Gaskin is going to be involved on the screens. He's going to be involved as a safety blanket. So I do like him there for a safe floor, but maybe not the upside because of the touchdown you know, limitations. As far as the running backs go for the Patriots, this is big. This is big. Michelle's gone. It's Damian Harris. It's James White, and it's Mac Jones. The question I need answered, is Damian Harris going to be allowed to catch the football? Is he going to be allowed to be out there on third and five or longer? Is he going to be allowed to be out there on two-minute drills? Or is this going to be the almighty James White, as I like to say, completely dominating the targets? Is Damian Harris just going to be Sony Michelle 2.0? Where all you do is first and second down and goal line, run up the middle. Is that what it's going to be? That's the question I need answered, especially for Damian Harris. That's the question that has to be answered as far as what his ceiling can possibly be. I'm definitely playing him this week. He is an RB3 for me. He's a very good flex. I think he has a safe floor. He's a very good Patriots offensive line. He'll definitely have his opportunities. There's no doubt about it. The worry is, are you going to be allowed to catch the football? Now, I have this RB29. I have James White as an RB42 because I am anticipating that as long as he's there and they have a pocket-passing quarterback, Josh McDaniels will utilize James White more times than not in all those passing-down situations, which will be annoying because in James White's right, unless you're in a full-point PPR league, I don't know how confident you ever are in playing him, and Damian Harris never gets to be more than an RB3 if he's not allowed to have a more versatile role. So we're going to wait to see that. And I'm very excited to get that question answered come on Sunday. But for now, definitely a RB3, definitely a flex play for me heading into this match against the Miami Dolphins with that offensive line. Now we get to the wide receivers. Start on the Dolphins side. There's a little more to talk about. Now, I don't have any wide receivers from either one of these teams in the top 24. Not, not at all. But I do have Jalen Waddle as somebody that I think can be an interesting flex play in this one. And I kind of like him for DFS purposes as well because of his big play capability. Now, I know he's been kind of dealing with that ankle injury too, but we saw him preseason. They still let him return punts. He still looked pretty explosive. So if he is hindered by that at all, it's not necessarily showing up on the field. So I'm not overly concerned about that. Again, no Stephon Gilmore, but I have to guess Bill Belichick does one thing every single week. We know this. He picks one target from the other team and takes him away. I think that's going to be Devontae Parker. He's still the more proven veteran. He's still going to play the X wide receiver. So theoretically, he's the first read. I think Parker's going to be who they game plan to take away, especially since they don't have Stephon Gilmore. They don't have their top corner to just try to match up on him. Jalen Waddell, even though there's no Will Fuller, I think they'll play Preston Williams outside, a couple other guys. He'll get to play the slot quite often. He'll get to be that big play threat guy. 
I like him at DFS purposes. If you're in redraft leagues or even dynasty leagues, you probably have a guy who has more upside and more of a floor, more floor to ceiling ratio. You probably have a better option. But he's interesting to me this week. More so than Devontae Parker is. I'm not playing Parker no matter what. Not in this game. Not in this matchup. I got to see Tua and Parker actually be on the same page because outside of week 17 last year, they weren't. That's another reason why I think Jalen Wall is a little bit interesting when it comes to DFS, but I think you'll have better options. This is not necessarily the matchup with all these questions up in the air about this Miami Dolphin team that I want to take a too, too many shots on, especially when you should, you know, this isn't bye week and there has been too many injuries to wide receivers, at least so far. You should have better options available to you. On the Patriots side of things, I don't really want to play anybody. I know Jacoby Myers is somebody who consistently gets talked up. He is my wide receiver 44. He's nothing more than wide receiver four for me this week. It's another team that I think a lot of questions have to be answered for. You know, Mac Jones taking over wasn't supposed to be the starting quarterback until the, pretty much the last week of training camp, guys. That matters. I like Mac Jones as far as what he does for this team from a fantasy perspective moving forward, but I do have some concerns. Now, Nelson Aguilar might not play on Sunday. If that wants to be the case, we could be seeing a few extra targets heading Jacoby Myers' way. But I still maintain that I think it's in the cards. Janu Smith winds up being the best pass catcher on this team. Maybe even the number one target. A mixture of him and Hunter Henry. And Janu Smith coming in is a tough matchup. Miami Dolphins are a very good team against tight ends. Very good team against tight ends. So I think you actually might have better options than Janu Smith this week. And you drafted him late. I actually have him at tight end 20. I think I moved him up a little. I'll have him moved up a little bit uh, as we get closer to Sunday. And make sure you check that out on bellyupfantasysports.com because we'll update that throughout the weekend as news comes out. You know, whenever, obviously, they're going to be updated. We come out with them on Wednesday before the Thursday night game, and then we update them all the way out, you know, to, until Sunday at kickoff. So make sure you're checking it periodically. Bellyupfantasysports.com. We'll keep that up to date for you. Janus is somebody I think you can play. Well, again, I think you have better options available to you heading into this week one. A lot of questions I just need answered from these two teams before I can feel confident fantasy-wise playing anybody outside of the running backs as of right now. Two good defenses, too. And that's what I think we got a real chance for this will be a low, low, low scoring game. Which brings me to my bets. And what we'll do Cleveland and Kansas City first. I actually forgot to do that one. It's minus six and a half for Kansas City at home over under set at 54 and a half. I'm going to tell you this. This is a game. No bet for me. It has a wide range of outcomes. If Cleveland can kind of play their game, I could see this being just about that 54 mark. It's kind of where I have it myself. So I'm not going to necessarily bet the over or under on that one. And six and a half, I could see this being a less than a touchdown game. A three point, four point, five point type of game. These are two very evenly matched teams. It's going to be a big test for the Cleveland Browns. These are two very evenly matched teams. When you have that in a wide range of outcomes, it's a game I usually typically try not to bet. So we move to the Miami Dolphins and New England Patriots. Patriots are favored minus three at home to the Miami Dolphins. This game, I think the Dolphins are going to win. I think the Dolphins are going to win. Money line is plus 130 for the Dolphins to win outright. Give me the Dolphins to win outright. I know it's saying a lot. It's New England at home in week one and Bill Belichick being prepared. I get that, but he's playing against Brian Flores. He's playing against a what I think is a better Miami Dolphins team. 
And I think the late change at quarterback is going to matter a little bit in this game. I think the Dolphins defense are going to get to Mac Jones a little bit in this game. I think you're going to see a couple turnovers in this game. Give me the Miami Dolphins outright at plus 130 on the money line in this matchup. The over-under set at 43.5. Again, I'm not touching that. This could be a 16-10 type of ball game. It has an ugly game written all over it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break. We'll get another word in from our sponsor. We'll come back. we got more games to preview heading into the late Sunday matchups, Sunday night game, Monday night game, and, of course, a mailbag segment for you guys on the other side. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first-round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league. With the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show. Of course, on YouTube as well, the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel. Please go and subscribe. We'll be back on the Unhinged Radio later on tonight from 6 to 7.30. We're talking about all the previews for the late window of games. We talked about the Thursday night recap earlier in the show. Go back to yesterday's show on your favorite pod streaming app, iTunes, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, anywhere you like to go. Because yesterday we talked about all the early slate preview of games in that one with Chris. We'll be back tomorrow night, too, with our DFS DraftKings lineup cards and our DFS contest. If you guys don't know, we run a free DraftKings contest every single week. Last year, what we did was we did a giveaway at the end of the month. If you won, your name got inserted into a raffle of the other three to four winners, however many weeks there were in that particular month, to possibly win a championship football from Mr. Chaz Florida of Sports Betting Weekly. Beautiful championship footballs, by the way. That still remains to be the, the giveaway. You'll still be entered into that if you win. But this year, we have a prize for every weekly winner. So if you win, you are going to win something. And what you're going to win is an easy sports data cheat sheet. My Mr. Chaz Flaherty from Sports Betting Weekly. When it breaks down all the analytics you need of every single NFL game for the week. Eight different ways to bet on every single game. And you're going to get that for free. Now, if you want to get that anyway, because you want to try to win some money, we're all about trying to help LMD Nation win some money here. All you got to do is go to bellyupfantasysports.com. Go to the Easy Sports data tab and sign up it's 1650 for the week that's it 1650 to get some of the most in-depth betting analytics you'll possibly have and we're not talking about just the main lines that we talk about on this show we're talking about live bets quarter bets prop bets everything with trends and analytics to back up the most high probability bets that you could possibly make in multiple ways for every single game 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So if you want that, again, go to bellyupfantasysports.com, go to the Easy Sports Data, 1650. That's it to help you guys cash tickets. And if you play in our DFS contest and you win, you'll get one week for free. So now every weekly person, every weekly winner gets a prize, and you'll still be entered into the raffle at the end of the month for a championship football. So guys, make sure you stay tuned to that. That'll be on Saturday night at BellyUpMBFF show or on YouTube. And we'll have that link for the draft, the free DraftKings contest for you guys to sign up for on on our social media platforms for you to grab that as well. And we'll probably put it on you know, while the show's on too. All right, so let's move on here. Let's move into a game that has a lot more fantasy implications than the last game that we had to talk about. We got the Green Bay Packers and New Orleans Saints. Now, I'd be remiss if I did not mention the heartbreak that is the New Orleans Saints right now. I mean, these guys, another hurricane devastating the city of New Orleans. Another season where we don't know when the next true home game of the Saints is going to be. This game is going to be in Jacksonville, technically a home a game for the Saints. We don't know when they're going to be back in the Superdome. It's really, really unfortunate what's going on down there. If you can help out in any way, please do. As far as this game goes, you know, there's going to be a lot going on off the field for the Saints themselves which could turn into a lot of motivation. We've seen it happen once before. It could happen again. Jameis Winston is a sleeper quarterback for me this week. I do believe the Saints are going to have to throw, 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 throw. Jameis Winston's a QB 12 for me, even without a Michael Thomas. I'm not overly impressed with the Green Bay defense, the way a lot of people are. I do like Jerry Alexander, but that's pretty much where I draw the line. So Darius Smith's a nice player. Nothing I'm afraid of. And Sean Payton is one of the best game planners when it comes to derailing pass rushes and game planning for that. I think the other thing is Marquez Callaway. Marquez Callaway, to me, is somebody that you have to look out for. And he's one of my top sleeper wide receivers on the week as well. Comes into my wide receiver 28. I love him in DFS, by the way. Absolutely love him in DFS. The target share he's looking at, we got Traquan Smith, who we don't know is going to play on Sunday. He might not. And I don't really, he has no bearing on me when it comes to James Winston whatsoever, as you can tell. But that just means more targets. There's a real chance Marquez Callaway is going to walk away with double digit targets. And he's not going to get shadowed by Jared Alexander. Why? Sean Payne is going to move him all around the field. He's already talked about that. And the one nice thing about Callaway's skill set is that he's already proven last year that he can line up in the slot. Adam Troutman's going to play. Now, he's my tight end 19. I wouldn't play him this week. He's still a sleeper for me throughout the rest of the year. But there was a real chance at one point that he was looking at a one, three week injury. It's somewhat of a mini miracle. He's even going to be out there at all on Sunday. So he's more of a wait and see approach when it comes to an Adam Troutman, but somebody I definitely saw my eye on definitely on my sleeper radar. But when it comes to this week, you should have a better option. But Winston's going to have a lot to prove. He looked good in preseason. He's throwing the ball well. I think Peyton's going to put him in a lot of opportunities to succeed. And if all else fails, you have the almighty Alvin Kamara 
to be able to throw the ball to, who comes as my RB4 on the week. Green Bay, always a great matchup for top and running backs. The Saints offense, even without Michael Thomas, will remain efficient and better than most people realize. And Green Bay's defense, I don't think is as talented as people try to make it out to be. We've seen this team get toasted time after time, especially a team with a balanced attack like the Saints. J.R. Alexander, while a very good corner, still has this uncanny you know, reason. I don't know what it is, but he bites every time on play action. Every time. So when they play against these balanced teams who can run the ball, especially on the outside zone, which Saints can do with Kamara and, I guess, the backup Tony Jones, it sets up play action really well. You get J.L. Alexander the, bait, the bite, all of a sudden Marquez Callaway is going down the field. There's going to be some home run shots in this game. So I think you could play Callaway, you could play Jameis, and of course you're playing Alvin Kamara. Green Bay side of the ball doesn't get much more straightforward either. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, you're never benching him. Comes as my QB8 on the, on the day. The Saints have some issues in the secondary right now. They're not sure if Marshawn Lattimore is going to play. One of the big reasons they trade for Bradley Roby and we're so excited for is that they need a cornerback depth. Not sure if they're going to have their top two guys. We have to wait and see what the injury report comes out. So they might be a little bit of a mismatch there in the, in the back end, even though this is going to be a very good defense otherwise. So Devontae Adams is in a prime position, not that you would ever question Devontae Adams either. So the one guy that you're going to play, obviously, is Aaron Jones. Comes in as RB16 for me, though. This is kind of like an Ezekiel Elliott situation that we talked about yesterday. The Saints are a top-notch run defense. So his ceiling definitely gets limited in this game. And I wouldn't be surprised if you don't get an Aaron Jones-like game in week one. Don't be surprised if you don't get an Aaron Jones-like game in week one. It's a tough match against the Saints. A lot of top running backs have not performed up to you know expectations in these situations. Here's what's interesting about this game, though. First game without Jamal Williams. A.J. Dillon's a non-factor in the passing game. This is zero in the passing game. We know that. So this is going to be the week where we see, hey, without Jamal Williams, what's the effect? Maybe you're not having an efficient day on the ground, but are you going to become a prolific receiver? Because the one thing running backs can do on the Saints in recent years is catch the football pretty effectively. Because they don't typically have the linebackers to be able to cover these top athletes coming out of the backfield. So that's going to be more of the question for this week for Aaron Jones. Can you still have an RB1-like performance because now there's no more Jamal Williams, you're gobbling up targets. And we'll also have the... I don't have as big of a question on this, but I know some do. We'll get maybe a little bit of an insight look as to do they plan on bringing in A.J. Dillon as a goal line back? That wasn't as big of a question for me throughout the offseason because... Aaron Jones has been one of the most efficient red zone backs in the entire NFL since he's been in the league. He's always had a nose for the red zone. I don't see how, if you're the, the Green Bay Packers, you would suddenly start to take out Aaron Jones all the time come goal line. Maybe sometimes, but not in a pigeonhole role. I don't see that happening. So I don't have as big of a question about that, but again, something else we'll have our eyes on come Sunday. Obviously, you're playing him, though. Outside of that, I'll take a look at Robert Tunyon. He comes in as my tight end six. I do like him quite a bit this week. Again, outside of Devontae Adams, somebody else has to be a factor in the red zone. I do believe Robert Tanyan has won the favor 
of Aaron Rodgers after last season and will be that trusted target in that part of the field. What his workload's like between the 20s still remains to be seen. Wasn't really that heavy last year. We'll see if it increases this season. But there's an opening in the Green Bay Packers. Who's that second pass catcher going to be? Who's it going to be? It could be Robert Tanyan. It might not have to be an Alan Lazard. It might not have to be Marquez Valdez-Scaling. It might not have to be Randall Cobb. It could be Robert Tanyan. Or should I say third pass catcher? Because honestly, the second pass catcher might be Aaron Jones. Tanyan is a must-play for me this week. The Saints are susceptible to tight ends. And given the workload here and given the secondary issues that they could be having heading into this matchup, I think Tanya's good for a touchdown, or at least as much upside as any other tight end who's not inside the top five to have a touchdown this week. So I'm big on Robert Tanya. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants. Or I'm sorry, before we do that, let's get to the best of the game. Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. Minus four and a half for the Packers on the road. I understand that. There's a lot of things, again, going off the field wrong for the Saints right now. No Michael Thomas. On paper, the Packers are the superior team. It's a home game in Jacksonville for the Saints. But I am not going to underestimate the emotional motivation that the Saints may play with on this game. So I'm not, I'm not touching this game. Over-under set at 50. I see a wide range of outcomes. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a 24-21 type of game. 27-21 type of game. So I'm going to say no bet on the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. So now let's move to the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants. Here's the good news. We'll start off with the Giants side of the ball. Saquon Barkley said a little bit earlier, he practices today. He'll be good to go for week one. We always expected him to play. Question will be, what's his workload going to be like? Are they going to limit him? If they are going to limit him, which I expect they would to some degree, what degree is that going to be? Are you even going to give him the opportunity to be Saquon Barkley-like? Is Devontae Booker going to be in a 50-50 split come week one? There's a, there's a narrative in the NFL that I've talked about all offseason. Coach speak versus reality, or coach desire, maybe the better accurate term, versus execution on the field. Theoretically, I think the Giants would like nothing more than to be able to limit Saquon Barkley, get his feet wet, get him going, but not have him get 20 touches in this game. I think in an ideal world, that's what they would like. But you're playing against the Denver Broncos, who are going to have one of the top defenses in the NFL, I'm telling you right now. They have depth, they have pass rush, they have the ability to stop the run. They have Vic Vangio, one of the better defensive coaches, who always has his teams playing fundamentally. This is going to be one of the best tackling teams in the NFL. You're not going to make these guys break tackles. Not going to miss a lot. So I think the Giants are in a real bad situation here. Kenny Galladay had not getting much practice time, still coming off that hamstring injury and not having much chemistry with Daniel Jones. The fact that Daniel Jones is your quarterback is a problem. That offensive line is an issue in this matchup. The Denver Broncos defense just poses a lot of issues for the Giants offense in general. So I would not be surprised they go into this game with the idea they're going to limit Saquon Barkley, but then realize Saquon Barkley is the only thing they have that can be an effective counterpunch to this Denver defense. And maybe as a result, winds up getting more work than they would want him to. Saquon Barkley's in our top 10. This is a tough matchup. I do believe he gets at least somewhere between 15 to 18 touches. You drafted him in the first round, most likely. 
to be your RB1, you play him. You play him. He's Saquon Barkley. He's active on the field. You play him. Limit your, your expectations a little bit. If that means taking a shot in your flex or your wide receiver three with a guy who has more maybe boom-bust potential than you would normally go with, maybe that's what you have to do to counteract. But Saquon Barkley's the top 10 running back, even in this tough matchup. For me, I'm not going to shy away and not play him all of a sudden. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Now, the rest of the Giants, eh. Kenny Galladay's a wide receiver four for me. My wide receiver 41, to be exact, this week. Again, don't love the matchup. I already don't love his quarterback. And I don't know what kind of football shape he's in because he hasn't been able to practice too much. I need to see this passing attack of the New York Giants before I have any confidence in it whatsoever. With Jason Garrett, Daniel Jones, the addition of Kenny Galladay, how they're going to all play out. Because we know Jason Garrett, what the one, I shouldn't say the one downfall, there's many downfalls, but a big downfall comes to him when it comes to wide receivers when he has too many weapons. Because right now you got Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. They're talking about Kadarius Tony's going to try to get involved to a significant degree. I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. But when he has too many weapons, nobody's a weapon. Nobody's a weapon. Because instead of just getting one-on-one matchups, like you watched Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboy game last night. You watched them just spread the ball out. They didn't try to target any one particular guy. Whoever had the mismatch, that's who got the ball. Garrett doesn't do that. He makes a point to try to like, okay, I want to get this weapon involved on this drive. And I want to get this weapon involved on this drive. And as a result, there's no cohesion. There's no flow. That's going to be the biggest downturn for this team. That's going to be the issue. That's why Kenny Galladay is a wide receiver four for me. I think you have better options to play. Evan Ingram's not going to play this week. We we kind of already knew that anyway. In his situation, it was just you know a good thing that he avoided the IR altogether. Maybe he's back next week. Caden Smith is expected to be the starter. I'm not touching a tight end. Outside of Saquon Barkley, I don't want to play a New York Giant. Period. Now, Denver side of the ball, very different story. I'm very intrigued. Now, first of all, this is a great matchup. Giants defense, not good. And I don't care that Denver's going from west to east coast on this one. Doesn't matter. Not good. This is going to be the question everybody wants answered. Teddy Bridgewater, how are you going to distribute that football? Between Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Is it Jerry Judy because of the intermediate short throws? Or are you going to get Cortland Sutton involved in the same way or even more so? Sutton, how do you look? after your ACL injury. Vic Vangio came out and said about two weeks ago, he thinks he turned a corner. 
I think Cortland Sutton was somebody who was about to become a superstar wide receiver before that ACL injury, who played with shabbier quarterbacks than Teddy Bridgewater. This is the best quarterback he's had. Outside of Drew Locke, who has Cortland Sutton had has had a big arm to throw him the football? This guy was playing with Case Keenum. This guy was playing with Trevor Simeon. He's playing with guys who don't have big arms. He still gets involved. I know Jerry Judy wasn't a part of those teams, but Judy, whoever was excited about, and I am too, I love the guy, but I only want to talk about you know his, his, his air yards. Well, he was only the deep field threat because Cortland Sutton wasn't there. Teddy Bridgewater can quarterback. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore were both wide receiver twos last season with Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback. I don't think Pat Shermer is any worse of an offensive play caller than a Joe Brady or Matt Roll. He's a good, might not be a great head coach, but he is a good offensive coordinator. And Bridgewater can play point guard. He'll distribute the ball evenly between those two. I'm playing both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy this week. Cortland Sutton is my wide receiver 18. I still think he's going to be the more red zone utilized target, giving him more of the touchdown upside, getting him inside that wide receiver two territory. And then I have Jerry Judy at wide receiver 37, just outside that wide receiver three territory, but very much in the flex conversation. I think both of these guys have an opportunity to eat, especially since it's the New York Giants. Noah Fant, of course you're playing Noah Fant if you drafted him. He is my tight end eight on the week. Again, matchup. I want to go back to this. Case Keenum under Pat Shermer in the Minnesota Vikings had a great year. Remember that? Because he actually got paid the following year by the Denver Broncos because he had a great year in Minnesota. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen all got to eat, all had top-notch wide receiver numbers. What is the difference between a Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater? I think Teddy Bridgewater is a little bit better. Pat Shermer knows how to get these quarterbacks, these type of quarterbacks, to play above their heads, especially when he has top-notch weapons. It's exactly what's going on in Denver right now. It's not going to be any different. Now, Bridgewater's not a streaming quarterback for me this week, but I think he's good enough for guys like Sutton, guys like Judy, guys like Noah Fant to get excited about. Let's talk about the running back situation, though. The running back situation for the Denver Broncos. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this, and a lot of people do, for good reason, obviously. Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, what's the expectation going to be? What's the split going to be? Now, I've maintained most of the time here that I believe it will be a series-by-series split with, in the beginning of the year, Melvin Gordon maybe getting 55% of the work to Javante Williams, 45%, maybe 60-40. And that's reflected in my rankings. I have Melvin Gordon at RB17. So I have him as an RB2. Javante Williams is an RB34. I think you can play both. I think you can play Melvin Gordon RB2 spot. I think you can play Javante Williams as a flex. I think you can play both of them in this matchup against the Giants. I expect the Broncos to win this game. I expect them to be able to close it out in the fourth quarter. Both of these guys will get work. Both of these guys will get targeted because they can both catch the ball. But here's where I'm a little bit conflicted and where maybe me, I'm not going to rank them differently as far as which one's ahead of whom, but I could definitely see Javante Williams outperforming Melvin Gordon because there's been suddenly a lot of reports about this coaching staff not being very help, happy about Melvin Gordon and what he did this offseason, not showing up for OTAs after drafting the rookie instead of wanting to prove himself that he should be the lead guy, kind of sulked a little bit. This is, this is an old-school type of coaching staff. This is not a coaching staff you do that with. They don't really care about that. And they have a lot of faith in Javante Williams. I still maintain that to start the year, Melvin Gordon will be the starting running back and he'll get a little bit more of the work than Javante will. But this isn't the same Melvin Gordon-Philip Lindsay split that we saw a season ago. Because Philip Lindsay, we knew, wasn't a factor in the passing game. Javante Williams is. 
As a rookie, he can pass protect, which is always my number one thing is, are you going to be on the field as a rookie in that situation? And of course, he has good hands. So I'm going to be very curious to see in a good match against the Giants where everything theoretically should go to the way the Broncos want things to go for them for all season long as far as their game plan is concerned, what their identity is going to be. This is a good chance we're going to get some clarity on the Williams-Gordon situation. Until then, I think they're both plays this week. I really, really do. As far as the betting goes in this game, this is a game that I am going to bet on. Denver Broncos, because they're going from west to east coast, are only favored by three points. I think they are vastly the superior team over the New York Giants this particular week. I am taking the Denver Broncos minus three at a almost even money line at minus 105. I'm taking them right there with those points. Not touching the over under at 42, but I am taking the Denver Broncos minus three in this matchup. And it's one of my, I wouldn't say lock bet, but one of my confident bets of the week without a doubt. Without a doubt. So let's move on to the Sunday night affair. The Sunday night affair. The Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams in this game. Andy Dalton gets to play. Andy Dalton's going to look really, really bad. Guess what? Rams defense, top defense for me. A top five defense for me. They're definitely a must play if you're looking at DFS lineups. Andy Dalton has always, even in his prime, was terrible in primetime games. Rams are my number one defense this week. He's always turnover prone. There's an aggressive Rams defense with a good secondary and a good pass rush on a Bears offensive line. It's highly questionable. I would not be surprised if Andy Dalton is a one-week start and done after this game because that's how bad the Rams defense might make him look. Real chance that happens. So Rams defense, my number one play. And this this is always going to get interesting as far as Justin Fields moving forward. But we know Andy Dalton started for this week. Don't love the matchup for David Montgomery, obviously. Now, if you drafted him, you got to play him. Because you probably drafted him to be a high-end RB2, somewhere in that range. You're going to play David Montgomery. I have an RB25 just outside of my RB2s. And the reason why I have is more of a high-end RB3 is because, again, the matchup is a bad Bears offensive line that very much could get dominated in the trenches against this Rams defense. So I'm a little bit concerned about exactly what his upside is. The question with David Montgomery, with his floor for fantasy and his floor for fantasy any given week, with Matt Nagy now calling the plays again and having Damian Williams back there rather than nobody with a Tariq Cohen hurt on the pup list for the first six weeks. Are you going to allow David Montgomery to catch the ball? They keep talking about all season how he's going he's to get 20 carries a game. He's going to get 20 carries a game. While he's going to average 20 carries a game, can he average 20 touches a game? Are you going to give him five targets after what he did a season ago, along with his workload? Is he going to be a workhorse back? Or are you going to sprinkle in Damian Williams to an annoying, illogical amount? That's the question that I need answered against the Rams. And of all the games, this is a game where if you're going to get David Montgomery involved, it's going to have to be through the air. You're not going to have much success running up the middle on this team. So that's why I'm going to be curious to see what comes to David Montgomery. You got to play him but just lower your expectations on him in this matchup. Same thing goes for Allen Robinson. I think Jalen Ramsey is going to try to shadow him as much as possible. The one thing I'll give Nagy when it comes to Robinson, he does a pretty good job trying to get him in the slot, move him around. So I do, I do think he'll get mismatches not on Ramsey. Obviously, with Allen Robinson, you have him. You got to play him. You probably draft him as your wide receiver one. I have him as wide receiver 11. Because the one thing I can be confident of, no matter what the matchup is, no matter how bad of a play caller Matt Nagy is, Allen Robinson is going to see double-digit targets. So his floor 
any given week, no matter who the quarterback is, is always really, really high. It's always really, really high. Because he's up there with, he's kind of like a Keenan Allen to me. Where, not just going to be flashy, may not bust one, may not always score. But when you give me a guy who I can guarantee you is going to see 12 targets in a game, because of the lack of other weapons, because of the way they call that offense, because of what that receiver can do, and how they can line up, and how they can run their route tree, he's got too high of a floor to ignore. Too high of a floor to ignore. So Allen Robinson, my wide receiver, 11. I'm playing him. I expect him to have a solid floor. I just don't expect a big boom game out of him. Now, obviously, you're not playing into the tight end. I'm not playing Darnell Moody until Justin. We're not even talking about Darnell Moody until Justin Fields takes over. And that should be everybody's mindset when it comes to that. The tight ends for the Bears. You know, I want to see exactly how this breaks down. I expect Cole Komet to be the dominant snap share. But when they get inside the red zone, if they get inside the red zone in this game, because I think that's a valid question in its own right. Is it going to go automatically to Jimmy Graham? Or is Cole Komet going to be allowed to become the tight end that you drafted him to be? I think there's potentially a sleeper tight end in this mix as the season goes on. Nothing this week, of course. But that's something that we have to see play out in the field as well. Let's flip over to the more exciting part of the ball, which is the Rams. Finally get to see Matthew Stafford and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Darrell Henderson taking his debut now with no Cam Akers. Tyler Higby, one of my top sleeper tight ends coming into the year. Now, the Chicago defense, keep in mind, when Akeem Nicks is healthy, when Akeem Hicks, excuse me, is healthy, they're one of the top run defenses in the NFL and always have been. That doesn't change here. So Darrell Henderson, lower your expectations on what do you expect his efficiency as a ball carrier in this game to be. However, having said that, Sonny Michelle just got there. He just got there. I don't expect Sony Michelle to have a hugely significant role in this game. So I think week one, you're going to see Darrell Henderson have a significant workload. Be as close to a workhorse back as he's ever going to be. That's very much in the cards. I have him as RB20 on the week. I expect him to be throwing the football. While Sony Michelle definitely has a profile of a pass catcher, and we've talked about this, that you know he was just kind of, because of the almighty James White, he was never allowed to catch the ball. It's been a while since he's been in those situations. It's been a while since he had to pass protect. I'm curious to see exactly how significant his role will be, at least early on in the season in the Rams, when it comes to that. It might be Henderson dominating the receptions. Matthew Stafford likes to check the ball down to his running backs. So that's where Henderson has a safe floor, even if he doesn't have an efficiency day running the football. That's why he's my RB20. I play him as an RB2. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. I've been big on these guys all year long. Now, Cooper Cup has a tougher matchup in this instance against Chicago. Good against the slot wide receivers. Although, maybe guys significantly worse after they lost a corner of theirs. I do think it's going to be a Robert Woods game, though. They don't have anybody to take away Robert Woods. Nobody. He's going to get pelted with targets. Both of these guys are playing. Robert Woods, I have as a wide receiver, 23 I think he has some upside in this game. We talked about this. I think this is going to be the season with Matthew Stafford that he's finally allowed to score eight or more touchdowns. I think he's going to have a career high in touchdowns this year, and it may start in week one. And Cooper Cup, I have more as a wide receiver three in this particular game, but definitely playable. And I'm very excited to see how this offense all meshes with a Matthew Stafford, especially at home in LA. Speaking of Stafford, he comes in my QB 22. This is not the week I want to play him. 
Now, when I had him ranked for preseason, I had him ranked as QB 12 for the year. So I have him as a borderline QB one, but a guy that you were definitely going to stream or be open to streaming with. The Bears still have a pretty good defense. Bears still have a pretty good defense. They still have a pretty good pass rush. They have a pretty good front seven. I don't know if this game, first game in LA against a decent defense is the game that I want to throw out Matthew Stafford there with a ton of confidence. There are some other streamers out there with some better matchups that have some higher upside. But I'm just curious. I'm just interested to see what the Rams are going to do, what they're going to look like. This will be an interesting game for that. Like I said, must plays, Dale Henderson, David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. And my last must play is Tyler Higby, who comes in my tight end four. Chicago, terrible against the tight ends. Matthew Stafford definitely goes with tight ends in the red zone. And no Gerald Everett, where Higby has a history of being a top-notch tight end without Jared Everett on the field to have to share targets with. Higby, my number one sleeper on the year at the tight end position. I think he gets to do it and show it off in week one. My tight end four on the week must play in Tyler Higby. Let's get to the Monday night game. And this is where we could talk about some things. Gus Edwards inexplicably blows his ACL yesterday. It's just crazy. He blows his ACL. Marcus Peters blew his ACL on back-to-back plays. J.K. Dobbins blows his ACL. I mean, I feel like the Ravens are shaping up to be last year's 49ers, where it's just injuries aplenty to key players. They just signed Latavius Murray. They signed Le'Veon Bell off the practice squad. They signed Devonta Freeman to their practice squad. This is looking like the backfield of the early 2010s, man. It's crazy. Tyson Williams is the guy for this week. Tyson Williams is the must-play. Now, you can see the graphic. I haven't updated the graphic yet, but I did update my rankings on BillyFantasySports.com. Gus Edwards is number eight there. Tyson Williams is a top 12 running back for me because it's the Raiders that they're playing against first and foremost. They just signed these veteran guys. Now, I don't know what the rotation is necessarily going to be like as we move forward, but Tyson Williams did look pretty good in the preseason. They had the confidence in him to begin with, why they didn't necessarily go rushing out to, to sign a bunch of guys before the Gus Edwards news. Le'Veon Bell, they signed him. They made it clear from the get-go he was just to be there for depth until the Gus Edwards injury happened. I don't think Le'Veon Bell has anything left. I don't think Devonta Freeman has anything left. And there's questions if Latavius Murray has something left after what we saw this preseason because he did not look particularly explosive. So I'm concerned about that. But given these guys have had no time to really get acclimated as of yet, I think Tyson Williams for this week against the Raiders is a must-play and potentially an RB1 given the matchup. So play Tyson Williams this week. The rest we'll figure out kind of as we go here on MD Nation. Lamar Jackson, my QB1 on the week. He's going to run like a banshee in this game. Great matchup. He doesn't need all of his wide receivers to be a top-notch guy for this against the Raiders who are going to have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Mark Andrews, of course, you must play him. He's going to have a big game. He comes in as my tight end five. Very good chance for a touchdown in this matchup. Very good chance he's the number one target. Sammy Watkins is even somebody who I'm a little bit interested in from a sleeper standpoint. Comes in as my wide receiver 38. So a possible flex play, because I do believe with Rashad Bateman out, being that he knows the Greg Roman system, there's a real chance he could be the number one targeted wide receiver outside of a Marquise Brown and a good matchup. Somebody who's an interesting player to me with some upside, depending on what your lineup looks like this week. Should have better options being that's week one, but an interesting player nonetheless. On the Raiders side of the ball, 
I think you probably have to play Josh Jacobs. You probably don't have a better option at RB2 where you drafted him. I have him ranked at RB24. I don't love this matchup, though. Whenever Brandon Williams plays for the Ravens, it's kind of like the Hakeem Nicks thing for the Bears. Whenever Brandon Williams plays for the Ravens, you can't run on him. And this is going to be, even though they just lost Marcus Peters, this is still a very good defense. It's still going to be one of the best front sevens in all of football, without a doubt. So you have to play Jacobs as an RB2. And we'll get to see finally this thing kind of play out between him and Kenyon Drake. Is Drake going to be a pure pass catching back or is he going to get worked in on a surprising level on first and second downs? That's something we have to wait and see too. That's a possibility. Jacobs, you play him as an RB too. And then of course you play Darren Waller, which because of his workload, because of his abilities, secondary getting a little softer for the Ravens. He comes as my tight end three behind George Kittle because of the matchup between the Ravens and George Kittle playing the Detroit Lions. Obviously, you have to play Waller, but I would lower some of my expectations in this game given the matchup. However, I do expect the Raiders to have to come back from behind in garbage time. And I think that's where you're going to see Darren Waller get a lot of his fantasy points in this particular matchup. You're not streaming Derek Carr. So the Raiders are just very, very straightforward. Let's talk about our bets for the Sunday night and the Monday night game. Chicago, we go back to that game. Minus seven and a half, the Rams are favored by. Yeah, I know that's a big line, and I'm hammering it. It's in Los Angeles. The Rams should be two score favorites. I would be surprised they did not win this game by at least 10 points or more. I am playing the Rams minus seven and a half in that game. And then for the Monday night game, the Ravens are minus four and a half. You're getting a discount because they are on the road. They are road favorites. I am all over the Raiders as my lock, as one of my lock bets of the week at minus four and a half. They are definitely going to beat this Raider team by at least a touchdown. Lock it in, put it in the book. I am pounding the Ravens minus four and a half at minus 110 odds this upcoming Monday. Lock it in, win somebody, one of my lock bets of the week. Hey guys, guess what time it is? The mail's here. Now, just like any other show, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is go to at BellyUpMDFFSO on social media. And make sure you comment throughout the weekend. We're going to be here for you guys to help you guys out, to give you guys the edge. We'll answer every single question, throw our way, and we'll pick out a few that we like throughout the week and put them up on the mailbag segment. We're going to do this rapid fire, though, because we went a little bit long today. So first up, Jack, he asks, should I trade Chris Carson and Javante Williams for Jonathan Taylor? Now, I'm assuming this is a redraft league. Otherwise, you wouldn't be talking about this. My answer to this is no. Chris Carson, going into the season, I only had him three spots lower than a Jonathan Taylor. I think Chris Carson, believe it or not, actually has more of a pathway for a higher workload than Jonathan Taylor does. I think you're going to see Naeem Hines be involved in an annoying amount in the passing game. I think you're going to see Marlon Mack, possibly a guy who might get eight or more carries a game, potentially. Taylor's not going to be as much of the workhorse as you want him to be. Chris Carson is going to be right there with him. And then Javante Williams might be a league winner down the stretch if Melvin Gordon gets hurt, which he tends to do. Or if we just talked about the coaching staff just fell up Melvin Gordon says, you know what? Javante Williams is our guy. So no, I am not making that trade, Jack. Yuan, Sutton or Brandon Cooks in the flex? I have Cortland Sutton ranked at wide receiver 18. I have Brandon Cooks ranked at wide receiver 16. Cooks is a higher floor. Because he's the only one on the Houston Texans. Sutton has to share with Jerry Judy and Noah Fant and the running backs coming out of the backfield. Cooks has a good matchup against Jacksonville, and he's the only one that I expect to get a healthy amount of targets and very much in line for double-digit targets this week. So I'm taking Brandon Cooks over Cortland Sutton between those two. Charlie, 
Mike Davis or Darrell Henderson this week. I do have Mike Davis ranked a little bit higher. Again, should have. it's not an easy matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. Fletcher Cox always really shuts down that running game, but the volume for Mike Davis, I think, is unquestionable come week one, what he's going to see. So I think it's going to go with a volume play here. I think you might see a few more touches than a Darrell Henderson will. We'll see how involved Sony Michelle is. I have Mike Davis two spots ahead of Darrell Henderson. That's who I would go with for this particular game. Derek asked me Tyson Williams or Javante Williams. To me, that's a no-brainer. I talked about this. Tyson Williams is a must-play against the Raiders, potentially an RB1 on the week. That's going to do it for the show, guys. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope we got all the information we need out of it. Remember, we're going to be back tomorrow, tomorrow night, Saturday night, at Belly Up MDFF Show on social media and on YouTube, the MD Spanish Football Show. Please subscribe. Make sure you check out this episode and yesterday's episode on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, Spreaker. We're everywhere. Wherever you go ahead and check that out. And we'll be on tonight from 6 to 7 30 on the Unhinged Radio Network. So go ahead and check that out as well. Well, make sure you stay tuned. Hit us up on social media at BellyFMDFF Show. We'll have those player news notifications out for you real, real soon. Everybody take care, and we'll see you again tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner